today, I have the great and powerful Jim Allen. Jim, welcome to the show, man. It's about time. I know, Tom. We've been trying this for a while. It's good to see you. It's good to see you too, man. And thank you so much for having, uh, I, I gave your, your crew a huge shout out during the summit as always. So Jim, there's a good chance there's some people listening right now. They're like, Tom Ferry just called this guy the great and powerful Jim Allen. Who is Jim Allen? Give him a little background. How long have you been in the business? What's the size of your team? How many sales you guys doing? I know it was north of a billion dollars in sales last year. Give people context for who you are and your experience. So been doing this since like 1985. So I've been in business forever. It feels like yeah. I've got 24 staff and I've got about 67 agents that work with me right now. So we're kind of a, a large team. We'll yep. do uh, about 1600 units this year. Uh, last year, I think we closed 1525, did a little over a billion, about close to $17 million in, in uh, GCI last year. We, we've closed, uh, as of last month, about $13 million already this year. So we're a little ahead of schedule, we're about $700 million closed through the end of July. So definitely going over a billion again. I think 1.1 is kind of our goal this year. So clearly someone didn't tell your team that we've got inflation, a bad economy, interest rates are high and no one's buying houses anymore. Did you guys not get the message? We hadn't been listening. So we, we've got this culture that says we don't understand the word no. So it's not on our, in our dictionary. We don't understand it. We just, okay, next, how do you, how do you revolve in the market you're in? So I appreciate that. I mean, so for the person that's, here's what's great, Jim, you could have a CEO of a company listening right now. You could have, uh, you know, a brand new agent listening right now whose brain is already popping. So just stick with me. You got a lot of team leaders that are going to be listening to this because one of the, th I mean, one of the many things that I respect about you, Jim and I've been in mastermind groups together. Like I've, I've watched this guy from afar and up close build this extraordinary business. I'd love for you to unpack how you would define your business model for someone right now. Like when you, when you hear 67 agents, 1600 units, that's incredible per person productivity. How is that happening? What's the business model from lead generation and marketing down to getting the transactions closed? You know, we're pretty simple, a little more simple than other folks because we start with a CRM, CRM it's Boomtown, and we build everything out of that CRM and, and we keep our agents accountable for the leads they're getting. I mean, obviously everybody does a little bit of realtor.com. Everybody does a little bit of Zillow Flex. But outside of that, what we've done for ourselves, and, and it's how we built our brand and our business, we've created this thing we call the eternal age, I mean, the eternal client. We literally go back constantly feeding back through, which sounds easy, but go talk to your first client. Joe, Joe Abbott's on my speed dial. That's my first sale ever, first listing ever. I think he's up to buying something like 70 homes from me now in, in the course of our career, invests in every neighborhood I do. You know, that's just one of those things. It's, it's being a resource for everything for your clients so they don't have to go somewhere other than you. That's what we do. So you and I both know like that is the game. And yet I just hopped off a coaching session. I won't name the, the team leader, brilliant individual. 
He's got 38 salespeople. 21 have not had a sale in the last 30 days. Clearly, they were watching the news a little bit too much. Um, you know, we got that course corrected in terms of some, you know, pipeline management and one-on-one dialogues, yada, yada, yada. But at the end of the day, it is this fundamental struggle in the industry. We do so much. We spend so much time, energy, money, following up. We meet a client. We make a sale. We close the deal. And then we never touch them again. Or worse, right. we touch them haphazardly. What have you found to be the absolute best disciplines or practices if someone said, tell me what to do, Jim, tell me how I get an extraordinary amount of repeat and referral business. What are you guys doing that's special or different? All, all the way through from the very first, we make it more personal contact. I, I know that when you get to text, when you get the email, when you get to some other source, it loses its personal touch. Yeah. So from day one, I require every other contact be a physical live contact either in person or on the phone, which that's not fun. That's, that's, that's back to basics. That's, Hey, you're missing a dinner somewhere because you had to talk to a client and talk them off the bridge about something going on in their lives. But that every other call, one can be about business. The second one has to be something about them. We, We need to be finding out, engaging in what's going on in their life that maybe we can participate in that doesn't have anything to do with real estate. That's how you build that eternal client over and over. And it sounds easy all these years later that I've done it. But when it was starting, that's exactly how we started. You know, Joe Abbott and I keep using that guy's name, but first things that ever happened, they had a dog that was sick. When I first met him, I had a good vet. I turned him on to my vet. It's that kind of thing. When he, when his cousin got sick with cancer, and he had to go take all of his retirement funds and supply it to that person. He said, you know, we retired two years ago. I sold my business, thought we were set for life. Now we don't know what we're going to do. He said, Barbara and I want to come in and sit down with you. Is there any way we can talk to you? Like, yeah, come on in. I'm not their financial advisor, any of these other things. I'm their friend. They came in, we sat down, we talked. I told them about how I develop and how I invest behind builders and things I do. And they said, okay, we're in, you know, whatever money we got. And at the time their retirement would have lasted about a year. They gave me some funds. I put them into one of my developments early. It tripled their money. And then from there, now they won't let me invest in something without wanting to be in. Right. But everybody's that way. I mean, the biggest thing I, I would say to everybody is you got to believe in real estate yourself in order to get anybody else to believe in it. Yeah. Banks have found out they can't make money without real estate. So why would we think anybody else could? You know, Jim, the person listening right now is going, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they're asking the same question I'm going to ask. Okay. I feel that way. How do I scale that? With everybody else on my team, how did you, how have you, or have you scaled that mindset and methodology with 67 more salespeople? How, how I've done it, I started letting them when they very first began, when they put a contract on their first piece of property, I ask them, and they, they got to have five grand saved. That's all I'm asking for. You save up $5,000. When you get to that point, you now can contribute and invest in whatever I do. 
for five grand. And whatever percentage that dollar is, sure. that's how invested they are. And that's how we started it. You know, when, when I decided I wanted to start building and start developing, I didn't go develop an 1100 lot subdivision the first time I went and, and bought one inner city lot, split it in half and built two houses on it. Right. I mean, that's how simple it is. But when you can do that, you know, your part time thing, when you say nobody, some people at your office didn't sell anything this month, why didn't they sell something to you? I mean, that's the part I don't understand. If we're in the game, half my sales every month now, they're trying to sell to me. I don't count them in my production, but right. trust me, that, that's a sale. And and no matter what I'm paying for a lot or or, or a house I'm going to tear down or whatever I'm going to do, I had 5000 or ten or whatever the amount is on top of that to pay that person. Because if I believe it works, $5,000 couldn't kill it one way or the other, right? Right. So, so we're going to unpack that model more because it's one of the things that when we were in a mastermind, you know, DJ and Lindsay and Andy and all these incredible Tim's, all these incredible producers and everybody's sort of brainstorming their best hacks. But I want to go back and ask the question again. You have this fundamental belief that every client matters beyond just that transaction and, and your, your note around every other contact is a live contact is a point that I hope the person listening right now paid attention to one biz and then one personal conversation. And you just keep, you know, repeating that cycle. How do we scale that through our sales team? How do we get them beyond, Hey, invest in some deals with me and let me show you the way what's the training like, what's the hiring like, what's the accountability like for the sales team. So, so you're not just having the, the snipers that come in and close a deal and go on to the next one. And Jim, give me another lead. Right. So I call those catchers and we're not in the catcher business because everything you take away from the core. So let's say you get a lead at the front desk today. You're on phone data. You get an opportunity. Person wants to buy something we already have in our fold. That person now has to resupply something to our chain or they don't get any more leads until they do. If you take one out, you got to put one back in. That's how you stay relevant and current. And in through Boomtown, we're able to actually keep up. You know, yeah. is everybody on task? Yeah, they pretty much are. Because we set goals for every single person. We figure out what their sales are going to be for this coming year. Right. We let them target their own number because what one of the things I've done is I've diversified. I haven't tried to hire Jim Allen over and over again because they might all kill each other. So I take True. people and I hire them, the person that comes in to me, because there's somebody somewhere that wants to work with that person. And that person has hobbies. They have things that they're interested in that are going to limit their capacity. You know, I, I've trained agents yeah. for 40 years and I've got five ever that didn't have a ceiling. And yeah. even those that didn't have a ceiling, once they had kids or a wife or they start developing ceilings for themselves, right? Sure. Sure. On, on the way in, everybody is like you said a, a little bit ago, why haven't I fallen back into the trap of the market's bad? This is that yeah. this is because I've been through four cycles of this and this is the best one I've ever seen. Right. One that I don't even consider a dip. I mean, oh, it takes me two days to sell a house instead of 10 minutes. Oh, that's a mm -hmm. terrible market. I'm, Right. I'm sorry I'm in that. 
Right. And we're at an interest rate that's like six and a quarter, six and a half. When right. for 35 years, we've averaged eight and a half percent. Plus, you know, understanding the history of our business is the problem. Everybody's about what's happening this second. The history of the business should tell you it's it's we're in a cycle. This right. is this is one that took a long time to get back in the middle of. But I also am not going to accept that I'm in it. I'm in producing with myself every single day. Where am I going to go from here? I don't listen to outside stories. I am the resource. You have to become the resource in your market. TBJ, whoever the business journal is, whoever the yeah. magazine is, you've got to be the person they're interviewing. You need to be the person that's keeping it top of mind. I tore down the stats for our local market. And that's one of the things I suggest to every one of these team leaders, look inside those numbers. You're, you're saying there's all these houses on the market. Well, why is there such a national housing shortage? We've got national builders now putting houses in MLS computers before they dig footings. That's right. why there's more inventory. There's no, they, a person can't move into a footing. So nope. it, that's part of the deal. I did it yesterday just on one of our counties and it said we had 996 new construction builds in that neighborhood. Well, I tore the numbers apart yesterday. There's actually, instead of 996, there's 183 homes that have even started and there's one finished inventory home. Right. Well, that's a terrible market. Right. Right. It's perspective, Jim. It's perspective, which, you know, you and I, myself, 33 years, you're, you're 40 years we get that advantage of a little gray hair, a little time on planet. I want to go back to lead sources for a second. So you said everybody's got a little RDC, realtor.com, everybody's got a little Zillow flex, um, but eternal client is your focus. The thing that I've always respected, and you've, you've unpacked a little bit, but I want to go deeper with it, is I think you're the master of finding the market in whatever market you're in. And that, that could sound cliche and motivational, but for the person listening, be really clear. Finding the market in what, one of my clients today said, sales are off 38% in our marketplace. And I said, oh, so there's only 62% opportunity there? I said, there's 10,000 exactly. agents in your MLS and half of them haven't sold a house this year. That's right. right? He's in the top 1% doing, you know, a thousand plus transactions. Let's just find more of our market inside of the market. How do you do it? And what do you recommend for the person listening that's, that, that's maybe their footing's a little bit off? They're a veteran veteran, or maybe they're a brand new agent, I don't know, but their footing's a little bit off and they need to focus. So for me, what I do, and, and especially I do it with new agents when they're coming in, we look at the parts of the market that are selling the most houses right at this minute. Yep. And then we sit down in here and their first week when they come to work, I trained five of them at a time. Why five? Because I can only get five in my car. Then I put them in my damn car. We drive out to communities yep. with that. Now they're manned with things I never had. We've yep. got tax records. We've got data. We've got everything right there on, on our phone yep. and we can figure it all out. And you know what? I drop them two at a time on streets and, and I leave and, and they don't have a car. And I say, look, I'm going to come back and get you uh, in an hour, but you don't get to get back in the car if you don't have two names. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. I know that's boot camp. I know that's dirty. Right, I, I love it. it. Sounds horrible, 
But let me tell you what, one of the girls on my team, Amy Harold, who's new to my team, we did that for her this year. She went over, found this home on a street called Windsor. I bought the house. She didn't have to worry about who to sell it to. I bought it to tear it down. I bought it for 500 grand, right. tore it down. We rebuilt a new home. She got a contract on it yesterday for $3 million. So she banged a door. I gave her a little commission when I bought it. And yep. she just got paid a commission on a $3 million home. I think she's happy. You know, a brand new agent. Yeah. Talking with a talking with a client of mine uh, in Philadelphia, and I was mentioning, I said, I'm, I'm interviewing Jim Allen today. And he goes, oh, man, I remember Jim from that mastermind. He says, God, I wonder how many homes there are in my marketplace if I took a small you know, piece of land or a large you know, area trying to get a sense of like, how many properties are there that I could do that with? Because you and I both know finding the builders and finding the money, that's the easy part. Finding the opportunity. What advice do you have for the person listening that has maybe never done a deal like that or, or they would find that crappy house and just put it in the MLS and sell it in two seconds and, and make two and a half percent, but maybe and, give and up, maybe give up 12 or 13 in doing so. That's right. Yeah. So what I would tell them, and it's in every market, it doesn't matter where it is. Yeah. You're looking for two different types of people. You want affordable housing. So you go to your outer parameters looking to develop that kind of stuff. Yep. And then you've got that mid-level buyer that wants to live in a great location. That's what they're looking for. Start riding around your own city. You're going to ride down a few streets that are two blocks from the best streets there. Right. I don't care what city in America you live in. Two blocks away is a horrible looking street that people aren't taking care of. And that's where you set your focus. And you set your flag in the ground, you go over and try to get two of those at a time. And hopefully you get two next door to each other that you can split into three. Because it's not hard to get somebody to buy when two other people are buying the same kind of product. It's hard to get somebody to be the first person to do something. So right. if you're going to start in new areas, do it that way. But I think if you learn to create your own business, you can't get into a recession you can't have problems and you can pay yourself. And, and there are methods that, that I could teach these people who are listening. If they call me and I offer this up all the time, how to make money. I'll give you a perfect example. What I'm doing on Dixon Drive here in Raleigh right now. I went out, one of my same girl, Amy Harold, same day, yeah. first day in the car, gets her two, bangs on the door on Dixon Drive. I put that lot under contract for 400,000. I can split it in half. I go back to the sellers. And I say, look, instead of closing in 45 days, I'll give you 500,000. If you'll let me wait till I get the two lots split. And they said, okay, you know, a hundred grand more. I'm going to pay them. It's more than their house is worth. Right. 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 Split the lot in half. We just sold both of those lots for 550 a piece to a builder. So one of one side of it, we just made a half million dollars in profit by splitting one four hundred thousand. Instead of we could have gotten that listing, we'd have probably listed it for four and a quarter before right. we tore it down. Instead, we're going. We got two five fifty lots now. I'm going to build two two million dollar listings on it now. So now Amy got a got a commission on a four hundred thousand. Now she's getting it on two $2 million homes in addition to that. So 
that's what you've got to do. You've got to learn to make the most out of every single opportunity. Instead of being happy you got a dime, try to stretch that dime into a dollar. That's that's how you grow a business. Right. So, Jim, Ellie, who is uh, who's I've known her entire life, just walked in. She works with us. Her father is like you. He is a real estate savant, right? He, I don't think he's ever had a job other than managing a couple of apartment buildings that the family owned to now owning lots and lots and lots of commercial real estate. She's 23 years old. What books would you recommend she reads? What guides would you recommend? Like you, it, it comes out of your mouth so easy. Well, I just said, hey, I'll buy it for 425, but I'll give you five if I can split it. Like someone in their mind is going, how do I, how do I tap more into that? How do I understand this? Some people want to know the mechanics. You know, what I would tell them to do is get in your coaching program. And I, and I'm not, I'm not, that's not self-serving. Please don't take it that way because guess what? I was too dumb to do. I did this for 40 years, 35 years by myself. And constantly every single Thursday, I retrain a whole network of people and I give them bits every single week. Yeah. Well, that's great. But if you're the person that's brand new and I've got somebody else that's been there for 20 years, I've been training, I got to go back and catch them up. So within my culture now, I've got people who onboard people who are already experienced agents that are here with us. Right. But I was smart enough that I reached back out. I look at the things that you're doing and I say, you know what? I know how to do it in my local market. Let me let Tom equip them with the skill set that'll work in any market because it will. Right. And and then you 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 prepare them that way. And then when I bring them back into my fold, it's so much easier for me because I'm actually directing them to the street that I want them to attack. I sit them down and teach them how to use the tax records. That's the number one thing. That's free. It's a, a free resource to anybody in the world just learning what your own tax records tell you when you look at it. What's the zoning of the piece of property? You don't have to go get a book. You go figure out what does R4 mean in your market? What does R10 mean? What does R8 mean? And and all you got to do is look on the website for the city and it actually spells it out, gives you these these answers. And then once you know that and you look at it, there's only one house on it, but it's zoned R10, okay, wow, I've got opportunity. Right. So do you think going, going back to that, like for someone like Ellie to, you know, who's not in the real estate business, but she's here with me and her father, again, is a prolific real estate juggernaut. If she starts to look at the MLS as an example, like every agent, you and I've talked about a million times, what's rule number one, you got to wake up every day. You got to get to the office. You got to look at the MLS. You got to study the trends. You got to know your local market better than anybody else. So if they go to Zillow or Redfin or Realtor.com, they got nothing on you. You are the only resource. Should they do a deep dive? Are you telling the listener right now they should do a deep dive of maybe a couple communities that are in those potential especially like lower priced, bigger opportunity, affordable housing neighborhoods. Should they be doing an MLS deep dive on all that to figure out the data? They, they constantly should. You you should be doing a, an overall. I only do the overall dive once yeah. a year. And I only how do, do you, it because how do you do banks it? now rely on me to tell them where they can go invest their money. So I'm, I sit on a bunch of bank boards and that's right. the stuff that when you do something repeatable over and over, they finally start letting you do these things, right? Right. So right. I do that once a year for them. 
How do you do it? Hold on, hold on. How do you do it? Walk me through the process. I have no idea what you're talking about. What do you mean you do a deep dive on your entire is first I pull up the gross number of listings that are available in my MLS. Like there's 6,300. I got all these numbers in my little scope right here. There's 6,300 right now in the triangle. I know that we're going to have to sell 64,000 homes this year. And there's only 6,300 on the market right now. So that market has to turn over 10 times in a year. So that's a great market to be in. There's certainly not too many of those. So I look at that first, then I divide it out by the counties that are there and you could do it by subdivision. You can do it any dive you want to do. I start out with counties and Mm -hmm. I look at each county and I look at what's the overall market, how many resales sit in that market and how many new are in that market. And then I look at the previous year, how many closed in each of those three segments. So I find out am I higher or am I low? And when I know that, then I, once I finish that, and for me, I only dig into eight counties. Once yeah. I know that, I know which of those eight to go attack because I can see who's short very easily and who could handle more capacity easily. And then I start paying attention to the other things. You know, is there a new business that's moving here or there? You know, staying alert to what the trends are in your market how close to one of those new places is this county that's in need, you know, and then you start allocating. Nobody has unlimited resources, no one. So allocating your resources efficiently is one of the most important ways to start. But guess what? If I've got on my team right now, close to a hundred people, right? If all those people invest $5,000 a piece in something, now we've got real money, right? I mean, that's like you you sit there and think, oh, all this stuff is out. That's because you're rich, you're this, you're that. No, you don't have to be. Find $5,000, borrow, beg, steal, get five grand. You stick five grand in your first deal. The average deal we touch here, Tom, the, the a bad deal does a 200% return on equity. So if right. I put five in, I'm pulling out five plus 10. Yep. I mean, that's a bad deal. And, yeah. and that's in a good or a bad market. If if you're in the worst market we've ever had, which I would assume would be 08 and 09, right? Mm-hmm. 08 and 09, we were still digging in that same trench the same way. It was just a little cheaper. I bought right. some properties from banks. I found those same things. People were still moving and living. Nobody died. It's not like the world came to an end it's slowed down enough for you to start thinking. Yes. The, the, the hard part about what's happened the last four years is nobody's had to think about anything, Tom. You were on automatic pilot. You're all catching. Uh-huh. You, you know, the market's going so fast. We don't even know if we're real estate agents or not. And when it pauses or slows down, like, what do I do now? You go back and start where at the fundamentals. You go back and start calling people, talking to people. Why would you eat in a restaurant that wouldn't do business with you? Why would you go get your clothes cleaned at a dry cleaner that didn't buy a house from you? Right. I mean, that's that's the whole thing, right? We're definitely not talking about the, uh, you know, hey, my business cards are there at the dry cleaner. No, it's a direct conversation with the dry cleaner. Right. 100%. Absolutely. So, so Jim, my intention today was, 
to introduce you and a lot of your insights and just the way you see real estate differently, think about real estate differently. And obviously the results really show how different you think and how much you execute. So we talked about your model. We talked about finding the market inside any market. I want to end with this question. Someone's listening right now and, and, what you and I both respect and appreciate so much about this industry is the best people are like, tell me some things I should do. But I want to flip it and say, Amy on your team and all these wonderful people that you know you brought on board with your team. If there were three, five disciplines or daily routines, things that you know move the needle and get the business going, what are you asking your team to do or what advice do you have for the person listening right now? And let's assume that they're not a team leader, that they're an agent that just wants to be more darn productive. First, the first person I want to talk to is the team leader. Take yourself out of production. You can be a rainmaker, but you cannot compete with your team and build a successful team. If you are constantly stealing the best sales out of that sales pool, then you are stealing from your own team and eventually you'll realize it and you will take yourself out of production. It doesn't mean you can't still go on the listing appointments. It doesn't mean you can't still work with buyers. It means you don't steal from your team. If I sell my best friend a house tomorrow, Tom, I'm going to draw the name out of a hat in my meeting and whoever wins gets to follow up the rest of that sale. Cause yeah. that's what you do when you buy into being a team leader you can't steal from your team any longer. I yeah. know that goes those against are harsh. the grain those of a lot of are, yeah. leaders, right? Those are some harsh words because you're like, don't steal from your team. They're like, but I generate all these. They're my pet. And you're like, hey, past client calls me. This is what I do. So that's and, one. And as you scale your business, you're going to yep. get it back on the back end yes. of it. So yes. that part of it's not, not any issue. Second thing is, I think the biggest mistake I made, and for anybody new starting a team, don't name your team after yourself. Yeah. Don't make it the Tom Ferry team. Don't make it the Jim Allen team, whatever, because then that person will use this excuse on you later. Oh, well, you can say that to them because you're Jim Allen, or you can yeah. say that because you're Tom Ferry. Yeah. No, I can say it because I can say it with conviction. Bingo. Don't forget that you have to work every day. Don't read your own press, press clippings and come to the office and think that you've already made it. Because if you have, just stop. Until you do that, I, I outwork everybody that works on my team to this day. And I will forever because how do I, I've got to set the example. I've got to come in. If I'm not killing meat constantly that I can hand back out, then they're not going to do well either. So my, my advice is the same way you tell everybody else to do things, you have to prospect yourself for one hour of every day no matter whether you want to or you not. Yep. I put that time on my calendar, period, and I'm going to do it for the full hour, not yep. 10 minutes of that yep. hour, not five minutes, not if I get one good lead. I do it for an hour. Right before I got on the phone with you, I was talking to a friend of mine, Andy Sandman, who's a big developer in our market. I called him and I said, Andy, hey, listen, what do you got I can help you with? on the phone 15 minutes with him. He gave me two little leads on things he's working on. Hung that phone up and you're like, well, yeah, but I don't know an Andy Salmon. No, but you see developments everywhere. You right. see things everywhere. You see opportunity, opportunity everywhere. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you ride down the street 
and you see a moving van, I go stop that guy as part of, it can be part of my prospecting. As long as I add up to an hour, it doesn't matter. I'll go up to the guy that's actually moving the person and I'll ask, Hey, by the way, where'd you move them from? Did, what street was it on? What did, how did that house compare to that, this house? Get down to that kind of level with people. Your dry cleaner should be your number one consultant because there's no person on earth that doesn't take something to the dry cleaners and brand new people are always there. So one of my prospects in this market is a guy that owns a chain of, of, of laundromats. And how I started, I was doing business with him myself. But I go now, I make him give me his client list. I tell him, I'm going to refer everybody to you if you give me your client list. So right. then I can start at reaching out to them. And I'm going to offer to give away one free commission. They're so like, nobody wants to give away a free commission. Yeah. I'm going to put all these names we accumulate in a hat. One person gets to sell their house for free this year. Yeah. So many people are giving me their listing to get this one out. I'm only giving one away. The other 1,500 are going to pay me. You know, things <laughs> like that are yes. things that I would be doing. Yeah. Um, there are things that we do constantly every day. Um, I would be going back instead of borrowing money for banks to do these projects that you're thinking about doing, go back to your own clientele. I don't care how long you've been in business, go back to those folks and say, listen, what I'm going to promise you is I'm going to return your dollars. If I have to work the rest of my life, your money's coming back to you, but I want you to be a part of what I build and start from there. And, right. and it'll get easy. I mean, I, I wish I had, had done that like the first year I started in business because how how easy would it be? I waited till I'd been in business for 20 years before I started developing. Now I've, that's my favorite thing to do. Right. It's also for the person listening right now, you think about a 40 year career, you, we've discussed it. You got to keep things fresh. You have to do something new and different every 18 months to two years or this business gets like all businesses can get a little boring. I, I am as jacked up every day right now as yeah. I was the first year because, you know, people say, well, what about turnover? How do you handle that? I'm so glad when they leave, if they aren't going to kill and do what they're supposed to do here, I want them to leave because I can't wait to get the new people in their spot. Right. You know, they're like, well, how do you recruit? I don't. They come to me. I don't need to recruit. Other My agents are my recruiting tool. They're out doing business right. with other agents in this market who are saying, man, your agents are better than everybody else. They seem to know more about the market. Why? Because we require it. You have to have a Thursday morning meeting or a Tuesday or a Wednesday. If you're not meeting once a week with your team, you don't have a team. Your team has little sectors out here somewhere else, you must have weekly team meetings with your team. You have to invest two and a half to three hours once a week back diving back into your team for them to be able to follow you. That's what you've got to do. That's that's what I do. I love it. I love it. So many insights here. So Jim, you've been you've been very gracious with your time. I told you we'd be, you know, together for about 30 minutes. We've we've already gone way over that. 
If somebody wanted to reach out to you and just say, hey, man, tell me more about X, what's the best way for somebody to reach out to you? Well, email jim at jimallen.com and we'll get right back to you. That's pretty generous, man. I appreciate that. Some people say, well, you know, go to, you know, my Instagram account and DM me, right? So no, you're like, here's my email. Let's talk. No, and, and look, I'll give you my cell phone. They call that too, especially agents. Right. Because if you are scared to pick the phone up to call me, you're making a mistake because other agents who've already done it, who are already there, if they aren't waiting to give back to you, there's something wrong with them. Right. My, my cell phone, 919. 625-7281. Don't care. We're on Eastern time though. So please don't call me if you're on in the West coast at the wrong hour, but <laughs> any other time, right? Jim, again, you are so generous, man. I appreciate you always. We got some masterminds coming up. I'll make sure I give you the scoop on all that stuff so we can get together face to face again soon. Uh, for the person listening, there was a lot to unpack here. I even go back to the very beginning when you were talking about eternal clients. Every other contact has got to be a live contact or the insight around if I give you a deal, you have to put one back in or I don't give you another deal. Just there were so many little nuggets like that, Jim, that were so insightful. So thank you for my friend listening. If you know someone that needs to listen to this, make sure you pass it along. And if you haven't liked, subscribed, and done all those little things, hit the notification bell, et cetera, et cetera, make sure you do that. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you on the next podcast. Take care.